Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. guest is one of my besties. In fact, when I used to introduce her to people, I would always start with the preface, this is Vicki Heath, she changed my life. We laugh about it now, but it's true. I was working corporate in the media and Vicky and I, as strangers, had been emailing about something PR related when out of the blue, she asked me if I had a SCOBY I would consider sharing with her. You know, SCOBY are those hideous things you make kombucha with. And of course I did. So we met at a cafe in Bondi that weekend and had a chat over chai and made the very suspect looking SCOBY exchange. I left that first encounter with Vicky that day, a changed lady. We connected over work, past experiences, future plans, her heartfelt words and sage advice were the catalyst for a string of events that have led me to where I am today. I think many of you, especially those of you running your own businesses, will find this conversation helpful, engaging and relevant. And for anyone struggling with self-promotion and retaining an authentic online presence, then this is certainly a conversation for you. Vicky Heath is a writer and communications consultant with 15 plus years experience as a PR and media executive across a range of industries from media and entertainment to wellness and interior design. In this interview, we chat about celebrities, social media, traditional media, whether the two can coexist, how we as humans fit into this ever-changing landscape. And if there's room left for publicists in an evolving world that encourages self-promotion across numerous ever-changing platforms, Vicky's insights are compelling, her humor is infectious, and her passion for celebrity news is goddamn hilarious. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoy my friend Vicky Heath. My fascination and observations of the media have been, oh, for about 20 years now. My first job was working in a news agency. So I think that was a little bit of a coincidence as a 14-year-old. Or maybe not a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly, universe. Thank you very much. So I was, yeah, working in a news agency and and kind of did get a bit obsessed. Back then it was all about the glossy mags, Mm. you know, as a teenager and there's... Um, you know, 
gosh, back in the day, yeah, all of the OK magazines and the the gossip magazine, all the all the trashy stuff, and. It, it was pretty fascinating as a as a fourteen year old. I probably wasn't so interested in the serious newspapers at that time, like your financial reviews and the Australians. I was definitely straight to the to the trash mags. But it's all storytelling mm. at the end of the day. And then I think, I mean, it was literally my high school careers counsellor who recommended PR to me. I think he had observed me at high school being a bit of a social director in terms of always organising different events and parties. Um, But also I think the writing element of PR, uh, that is a huge part of PR and writing has always been something I've been very interested in. They make you... um, they make you do quite a strict grammar and writing test that you have to get a very high score on to even be accepted into any PR courses. So, so yeah, those skills were basically what brought me to to study PR and communications um, after working in news agency as a teenager. Uh, and I did do a double degree in communication and arts, and I majored in public relations and professional writing. Fantastic. So. So yeah, <laughs> I did do all of the study, um, and I did volunteer a lot on events. Back then, I was into into surfing and things like that. My brother was a surfer, and I volunteered on a lot of surf events. Living in Victoria, working down at at Bell's Beach on the Rip Curl Pro, and I was doing the PR. So I was working with the news crews, working on getting surfer interviews, um, putting together video footage and press releases so so i mean again you know as someone who was at, at university that was a pretty great fun yeah thing i was to gonna doing. say that sounds really fun was was that what it was i mean does it was it as fun as it sounds it actually was as fun as it sounds yeah. i'm not gonna lie like hosting, <laughs> you know me sort of hosting autograph sessions where you've got um mick fanning and kelly slater and sunny garcia and Marco oh, Palupo, hard life. all the old sort of great <laughs> of surfing um yeah as a as a young girl was was pretty fun and they'd deck you out in rip curl gear and you know you felt you felt pretty special and, yeah. and there was there was parties and you know it was all going on but um, you know, part of my interest to that was the nature element. You know, I was just like, gosh, I love being by the ocean and, you know, surfers are pretty salt of the earth people and focused on their fitness and health. And yeah, I thought it was a pretty, pretty good environment to be. And plus it was, you know, an international event landscape in yeah. terms of um, the professionalism that was there and, you know, the sponsors and the sponsorship dollars and, you know, your billabongs and your quicksilvers and, um, you know, there was a high expectation for the level of media coverage that was going to hit a worldwide stage. So, yeah, it was a pretty good training ground, to be honest. Where did you go from there? Oh, I took a random turn after that. <laughs> into I went to work for a PR agency. That was my first and only PR agency experience. And I worked there for about five years. Um, and their theme was cars and motorsport, which Ooh. was a really quite unexpected to everyone uh, who sort of knew me being this sort of little hippie who danced back and forth between Byron Bay was sort of like, why is Vicky working in motorsport? (laughs) And um, I just think, again, it was one of those sort of universal divine interventions um, that put me in that environment, which, again, was just this incredible learning ground. I mean, heavily male-dominated environment, international event environment, 
um, a lot of a lot of dollars and sponsors, and you know, really high pressure in terms of the expectation on the news that you were you were getting out. You know, as soon as races had finished and. Um, moving drivers around to different sorts of, of interviews, and yeah, it was it was for me at the time. Um, I, I felt like this little girl who was a bit like out of her depth, to be honest. But it was very much a bapt- another baptism of fire in terms of cultivating those PR skills and people skills, mm. and you know, dealing with those those drivers who were under an immense amount of pressure. And then you're asking, you know, on the racetrack, and then you're asking them to do um, all of these kind of as they, you know, they knew that it was an important part of what they were doing, but it's very quite almost fluffy stuff in between yeah. their, you know, their serious racing. So you really learn. I learned people in that and, and how to manage myself and my own emotions that was feeling like, oh, you know, rejected and stressed and all these things. It's like, okay, this is just time to get professional and serious. So can you just explain for people the difference between a publicist and a journalist? Because there seems to be yeah. a lot of very um, similar attributes to the two, but they are quite different, aren't they? Absolutely. And almost as a as a publicist or a PR person, when you're when you're trained in that profession, you almost you learn as much about journalism as you do about publicity. And I'm sure it's a bit vice versa in the journalism world because they're very um, they're very complementary sort of roles mm. but they are very different so uh, you know as a PR person you are working for um, someone who really has a story to tell or that you know there's information to share whether that be a company or an individual or an artist or an organization or a creative like there's so many different kinds of people and organizations that publicists can can represent and it's their job to look after both the interests of the person that they're representing but then also journalists because you have to really a journalist needs information to write a story and it's your job to share the story of the person that you're representing um, in a way that they feel comfortable being shared mm. but then also the journalist uh, you know has an audience has an editor has advertisers has many many things to contend with in their medium or publication so you know you're constantly having conversations with both parties to say how can we come to a place where whereby we're telling this story in a way that everyone feels comfortable and aligned with and get you know the best result because at the end of the day some of these stories can be you know really heartfelt and beautiful with mm. fantastic photographs or they can be um, you know a, something that's filmed beautifully of someone's you know their life or their family I mean there's just so many different facets to it but and on the other side of it the same story the exact same story can be told a very different way if it isn't conveyed properly in the first place it can be it, extremely sensitive so I think sometimes you know you see a story written and um, you kind of think, oh, yeah, well, that probably took five minutes. But often yeah. <laughs> these things can take months of, um, you know, of, of talking and sharing written material. Mm. And, and, and yeah, they, they can. It, it's always quite an anxious place because quite often, uh, you know, as a publicist or a client, um, you know, it's sometimes quite rarely depending on, you know the situation you will be able to see copy or approve copy copy before it goes to print 
sometimes, very rarely. Um, so, you know, you're always like a little bit on edge until it's actually published as to, okay, we've all been in the same conversations here. We've all conveyed the same messages. We've all agreed on the same things. We've had the same interviews. We've recorded them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it is subjective and sometimes editors change things and, you know, things can be misconstrued. So you don't exactly know how it's going to end up in print. Um, that is the risk. That yes. is definitely the risk of um, traditional publicity and public relations and why I, you know, I read a New York Times article recently which was talking about, you know, Kim Kardashian. And she kind of is an example in a lot of this because she's, you know, highly um, followed by the media worldwide. But basically, um, you know, after she was faced with a robbery in Paris mm. and talking about how... Um, you know, she went very silent and didn't want to do any media interviews and, and was just talking about, you know, how celebrities are in, increasingly refusing to come off their carefully stage-managed platforms, that being their social media and choosing to, you know, only share stories and express stories through their social media as opposed to um, having the risk of having an interview and not knowing exactly how that's going to be then relayed to the public. So there's all these different facets now that we have access to and yeah, that's that's like a whole evolving thing. Yeah, and I, def I definitely want to talk about social media because I mean it is the new self-promotion. But as a publicist, there must be so much pressure that falls back on you and being the middleman between the story being told and the client that you're representing. But also there must be situations where you, all the pressure falls on you to put the fires out. Yes. And it's like, I was having this conversation with someone um, in the office this week and it's like, you know, they tell you it's like Abfab. They tell you it's absolute, like absolutely fabulous, the TV show. And you think it's going to be all, you know, <laughs> champagne and, and, and laughter, but, um, but absolutely, you know, thing, things do go wrong and things, you know, are reported in the press that shouldn't have been. And, and, and that can really do damage to people's reputation or to businesses or um, start rumours that aren't true. And, you know, it, it, it can be quite very stressful and quite psychologically damaging to people. Um, so, so, yes, as a publicist, you are expected then to generally pick up the piece and try and turn things around which isn't always possible um so yeah it's it's quite emotionally it's quite an emotionally involved profession i mean that's the way i find it to be i do feel sometimes i'm envious of some pr people that i see who seem to be able to really be very cutthroat and um and not be so affected by it. I mean, that's my perception. That might not be the case. But I certainly, um, I do take on board um, quite a lot of people's sort of stress and emotion that surrounds it. Um, and and I, I completely am empathetic to, uh, I'm completely empathetic to, to those situations. And um, I guess maybe that's part of why I'm drawn to the job as well because when I see people, you know, really passionate about what they're doing and wanting to share stories um, and, and knowing just how, how much of a minefield that can be in terms of putting themselves out there into, into that media zone, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably something that I am a bit passionate about. So do you think then as a publicist there is a real divide between um – representing a celebrity and representing a company once you start to put that personal aspect into it 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's and there's a difference between um, yeah between product um, product and people. Mm. I mean, I've I've generally always been drawn to working with people. You know, I I enjoy um, I, I love the stories. I mean, I loved. <laughs> You know, a lot of people bagged out Brad Pitt this week for his GQ interview. Um, but I loved that. You know, he I was talking about how he's been sober for six months. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, his, his divorce and trying to become a better man and getting his emotions back. And, you know, I, I, just, I just love hearing about what people are are going through and what they're trying to achieve and how it makes them feel and what it's, what it's <laughs> funny Vicky that's a good example that Brad Pitt article because there was a lot of people who came out and said that was a publicity stunt well I mean define a publicity stunt at the end of the day I mean you don't know what a person is going through what they're feeling how you know how they've probably been relentlessly pursued by the media for their entire life, you know, from his marriage to Jennifer Aniston or a relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, a, a man like that, he's 53 years old, has mm. probably seen a hell of a lot in terms of media and paparazzi and lies. And, you know, I have no doubt the amount of money that he has been offered for interviews since, you know, everything's gone down with Angelina Jolie. And I mean, gosh. You know, here I am speaking as if I know them, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I love I it. I don't. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I look to these stories to, to, to see where the truth is and to see where, yeah. where the positivity is and, you know, is it neg- like is it negligent of Brad Pitt to not share his his story? Is it negligent of him to share it? I mean, at the end of the day, people do look to celebrities for, for some reason or another, as a culture, we can, you know, be obsessed with them. I think Elaine de Botton, who is a, an amazing um, author, has talked a lot about this. He's got a, a TED Talk, um, you know, called On the Media, and he talks a lot about the way that we look to celebrity. And, you know, I think... I don't. I don't know. Like I said, to find publicity stunt, I think it's well within Brad's Brad's right. He doesn't need. Probably doesn't need the publicity. You know, he probably no, well, doesn't. He certainly need doesn't need the, the publicity. <laughs> yeah. All the money. So it's like you know, maybe a guy who's actually hurting. You know, who talks about you know being alone in his house after being there with six kids previously and all of the noise. You know, just trying to come to terms with who he is at, at midlife. And I'm sure a lot of people go through these things and I feel like it's you know it's interesting to hear other people's stories Mm. so yeah (laughs) so as an ex-journo I've seen a definite shift in the media over the past decade a lot of stuff has come online Um, print is slowly dwindling have you observed a similar shift in the PR industry well yeah and I mean yeah, obviously, the, you know, there's been a, a huge shift in the media landscape over the past, you know, however many years. And yeah, a lot, a lot is going online and we can be our own broadcasters. And, you know, there's a statistic, it's something like 80% of advertising dollars are now heading to, you know, either online or social media. So mm. you do see all these really large, um, you know, media organizations, even in this past week or so, you know, Fairfax is on strike and Channel 10 is making cuts. And, um, you know, I feel like there's always going to be a place for these traditional media outlets. But yes, it's all 
it's all shifting and people have a huge chance to be their own broadcasters. Um, and within that, yes, people do have a chance to publicize themselves essentially because they are, they do have a voice and they, they are able to cultivate Instagram followers. They are able to start a blog and be their own journalist. You know, that hasn't always been the case. So I guess, yeah, traditional media roles, um, and PR roles have definitely shifted as well. I mean, I guess maybe there's not as much of a need in some instances for PR because people are really able to publicize themselves. But I think that that can also be a very scary place for some people who all of a sudden find themselves with all of these followers and having a voice and, um, you know, sharing quite openly. And, and then it's like all of a sudden having to assess, okay, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people watching what I'm doing and hearing what I'm saying. Like, how can I deal with this or how can I manage this or how vulnerable really am I? And what are the mental health implications that, Mm. you know, that go along with this? Because traditionally celebrities um, have been held by, you know, agents and, um, companies and marketing teams or you know a director of a film or you know they're kind of cultivated by these external forces and supported by them and given advice by them and protected you know you by them yeah protected yeah like people would have an agent or a manager or someone and sure there are people in the online space who who do have access to those resources but more often than not they're you know they're coming from a very um organic authentic place or they don't have those traditional structures or that kind of i don't want to say voice of reason because of course people can have their own voice of reason but sometimes it's just nice to have someone who who has seen this before or experienced this before to mm. lend you that kind of support so um, as a publicist then how do you feel like you can fit yourself into that arena the conversations that i'm finding myself in with friends of mine who are building really beautiful um, authentic creative entrepreneurial businesses Mm. the conversations are more more leading to how they can be supported in terms of being very you know clear on on what their message is and how to share it and how to share sensitive information so with so many um people running their own businesses and entrepreneurs are sort of growing in the industry there's a lot of self-promotion going on and it can feel a little bit icky for people I know it feels kind of icky for me I've got a real issue with self-promotion but it's something that has to happen I think it's almost the way that the it's kind of phrased that makes it sound really egotistical but it doesn't have to be like that it can come from a really heart-centered place so as somebody who has a lot of experience in the in the publicity industry what would be your advice for people to be able to self-promote without coming from ego i think this is a huge topic of conversation for people you know and people especially a lot of creatives and artists who have these beautiful work to share and beautiful messages to share and you know this is this is the beauty of the social media and online environment is that we can create awareness around so many wonderful things and create communities and, um, you know, bring people to, to health and create awareness around mental health. And, you know, there's just so many amazing positive uprising things that can be, that can be done that we're seeing being done by amazing people. But yeah, a lot of these people do, you know, 
the message that they're sharing is very heartfelt and and very authentic and generally that means that they're probably quite a sensitive person um, and the self-promotion piece can be really really uh, difficult and you know I personally experience experience that and that's probably a bit more of a, a generational thing I think mm. you know I think never have we you know talked so much about things like narcissism and there's just like all of this psychological awareness around well is it narcissistic to you know and narcissism's become a bit of a buzzword but buzzword in terms of like are we creating a generation of narcissists with all of this and sure there's very fine lines between all of it and I think you know it's up to individuals to self-reflect and arm themselves with education about yeah. you know, what, what they feel comfortable putting out. But I think the conversation comes around to what is your, you know, what is your message? How, how can you best cultivate a message that you feel comfortable with? How, how much of yourself are you willing to share? You know, vulnerability is good, but with that comes exposing yourself in an environment that you you don't know what kinds of reaction you're going to get and sure that's also amazing for for helping people to grow and learn uh, but just being very very considered in in what messages that you are putting out there and and having discussion not not necessarily having that be all on you you know hopefully you have peers that you can discuss that with and i think professionals i think also the the other issue with oversharing is you know it may be affecting the people that you're oversharing with but it can have consequences on you and you open yourself up to a vulnerability that can be very hard to shut off again. And I guess that's the kind of fear that people come up with self-promotion because there is a bit of a fine line and everyone's saying, oh, you've got to be vulnerable, you've got to be your authentic self. But where where do you draw that line? I think that this is a real learning journey for everyone who is who is experiencing this right now and you know there's no I guess defining answers to this it's the human journey but yes I mean I come back to celebrity examples because they're kind of seeing this you know at the at, at the extremes and Selena Gomez who I don't know if you're listening to you know who that is. <laughs> you're such a celeb junkie I love it. <laughs> well it's just kind of in my training you know I read no, the news every day and it's not like I really like thrive on trash mags and everything I just find the culture fascinating. It and is it, fascinating. It, like, it's just it's it's sort of like this top line example of um human uh, oh gosh i mean i'm gonna make myself sound crazy now because i realize that celebrity isn't reality but just the psychological element of it i often well, it, find it is somebody's reality it's someone's reality yeah. so anyway selena gomez was the most followed person on instagram like 15 million followers or something like that at 19 years old wow. and you know she recently um it went to, you know, she's been open in saying this. She spent quite a few months in a health facility and 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 cre- attributed a lot of it to the pressure that she had felt from being on Instagram and ex- exposing, you know, parts of herself at, at such a young age. And, you know, she gets half a million dollars or something like that totally. for one Instagram post. I mean, it's it, it's actual insanity. But she then came out and she won a, um, you know, a music award or something like that. And in her exception speech, she talked about, um, you know, she was like, you know, I don't want to see your bodies on Instagram. I want to see what's in your heart. Mm. And she then, you know, was starting to talk about that culture of, you know, how can we really share what's going on and, and not just share the physical. So, yeah, I think there's lots of 
you know, examples out there of people having their own journey with this and having it very publicly. What do you think about comparisonitis? I mean, you know, everyday people like you and I would be constantly comparing ourselves to other people. But I mean, it obviously happens with celebrities as well. So as a publicist, what sort of advice in that environment are you giving to them and what can we take away from that? I have some beautiful friends who are mothers and, you know, one of them, we were having this discussion about about social media and, you know, teenagers growing up in this environment and, you know, how to handle all of that. And and one of them said, oh, my gosh, I said to my my daughter the other day, I think, um, you know, she might have been like seven years old or something. She said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a vlogger, you know, like a video <laughs> blogger, a video blogger. <laughs> and then and the mom's like, I don't even know. Like, what does that, what does she think that even means? Like, what does she think it takes to be a vlogger? You know, what does that mean? Does that mean getting dressed up all pretty and showing videos of myself? And, um, you know, I think there's a real education piece now that, uh, people are coming into exposure with this sort of environment. This is the reality of our culture now. It's a reality of how we consume news. It's a, probably the reality of how people like Donald Trump get elected, not to be, you know, political. But I just think this is a journey that everyone as a culture and society is experiencing. And I think as parents, um, you know, and, and teenagers, we just have to try and, ha- you know, have these conversations openly because, yeah, even, you know, we do get comparisonitis or that person's look at the life that they're living, look at what they have that I don't have. I wish I could do that. I, I think it's actually making us all sort of stand up and, you know, the advice that I have to to give to people is really just to be responsible. You know, you really have to be responsible for your own sort of moral compass and your own um, ethics and integrity and your own, you know, mental health. And that involves having really great relationships with, you know, the the true people in your life around you, which is your family and your friends. And where do you find your grounding from a health perspective, from you know, or how, how are you going to cultivate you as a person that can be in some ways a little bit more resilient against that? Because the reality is we're going to be faced with it. I mean, it's very easy for us to say, I'm not going to go, you know, people do take a social media hiatus. Um, I think Kendall Jenner did for like two days or something. <laughs> My name <mate>, Kendall Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, um, yeah. You know, we can declare that we're going to not be on social media, but for many of us, it's it's not it's not the reality. No. So we do have to just be mindful. Be mindful, and I think be aware because we all are. Remind ourselves that it's not it's not real life. It's social media. So it's just like you said about celebrity. I mean, it is a reality of sorts, but you don't know what's going on behind that camera. You don't know what's going on behind that those scenes so if you want to stay on social media and you want to look through social media and you are promoting yourself as you are watching other people promote themselves have that sense of awareness that maybe you're not seeing everything as it is absolutely and bringing this back to traditional traditional the place for traditional media with storytelling and going, yeah, this is probably, you know, another example of why it's it's good that the Brad Pitt interview is done by, you know, a publication such as GQ that is got trained journalists, a legal department, you know, editors who are very well trained in, um, you know, psychology and what's healthy and, 
Look, I mean, not everyone gets it right and wrong, but at least they have that awareness around the sensitivity of telling people's stories. So I do therefore think that that's why we need to be careful of not still embracing traditional media because of their capacity for storytelling in a way that isn't just saying, okay, this is my happy sunshine, la, la life, you know, and I know that that's not the case. A lot of people, you know, are very vulnerable with their social media in in terms of talking about what's really going on for them. Um, But yeah, as those, you know, younger minds, especially are growing and developing in those spaces, you know, it's, it's just something that we need to be very careful of. So when you talk about traditional media, what do you what do you mean by that? Uh, well, you've got television stations, you know, like free. <laughs> oh, those old TV <laughs> stations, <laughs> free to air cha- television stations yeah. in Australia. It's you know, you, you channel sevens, you channel nines, you channel tens, um, newspapers. You know, newspapers yeah that yeah. you know actual physical print and you know a lot of them are online these days so so that's also fine too uh and 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 magazines i mean that's generally the big three you've got yeah. ra- you know radio uh anything that's kind of i guess mediated by a presenter or mm. a journalist or producer so i guess there's all of these roles in the traditional media yeah the role of a producer the role of the role of a journalist, the role Which of an the, editor. the Facebook news that you read doesn't have? Generally not. No. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot in the media at the moment, the media talking about the media, but there's been a lot in the media about fake news and how yeah. to um, address whether what you're reading or listening to is actually real or not. What do you think about that? Yeah, the fake news phenomenon. I think that Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> owner of Facebook, has actually done quite a few um, sort of rebuttals or interviews on this at the moment, being like, well, Facebook isn't responsible for fake news and, you know, Facebook isn't a news outlet and, you know, but the reality is is that a lot of people are consuming their news through Facebook, which is legitimate in some ways because, you know, I, myself, I mean, I follow news.com.au, I follow the New York Times, I follow a lot of news outlets on my social media and that is sort of one place for me to, to digest and get that information. Well, I guess it, it, it falls back on you, right? Like not you, Vicky Heath, but it falls back on all of us <laughs> that we need to take responsibility and be able to assert what we're reading and whether it's true or not, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah. A, you know... It's not Mark's fault. Lot, kind of a lot of... <laughs> but Poor it's also a responsibility. Yeah. I know, I know, right? Poor him and his millions. Or I know. Like. Let's all feel sorry for Zuckerberg for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a lot of responsibility, and it's sometimes why the notion of you know five people sitting around the transistor radio getting getting the news is kind of like whew, takes the pressure off because I'm not sitting there having to sift through 10 different news feeds and however many on-demand channels of content to decipher what I would like to feed my brain today and yeah. how am I going to interpret and also, that. I, like, I'm speaking for myself here, but I really hate to always come from a sceptical point of view. Like I hate having to question everything. Sometimes I'd really like to just be able to rely on what I'm reading. Or hearing? Yes, I know, and I don't. I don't wish to come across sceptical about you know any of these facets. You know, in, in our discussion here, because I'm I'm completely open to you know all all realms of it all. But 
you know, I'm the same. And I think that's probably sometimes why me being a bit of a traditionalist and having grown up working in a news agency at 14 years old and having been very close to this media landscape, I do find comfort in in traditional media. And I, 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 I do sometimes like to see, you know, the friendly newsreader that I've seen for 20 years telling me the story. I mean, but I mean, oh gosh, I mean, there's just so many conversations about the news and its credibility itself that, you know, I can't possibly represent everyone's opinions on that because that's like a discussion that could go on for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you think that there is a future with traditional media or do you think they're slowly going to die out? I just really hope that there is a future. I, I, I really do hope. I, I really hope that, you know, it turns back around in in some ways and that we, you know, that we re-embrace it and like a fashion trend, it, it sort of comes back around, that we see the value in it and that we feel comforted by it and we feel like it can be, you know, a safe place at times. And I know that this is, you know, can also be a hugely controversial conversation because, you know, some people are very anti-traditional media and see them as, um, you know, having agendas and, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, it is a very loaded topic. I'm fully aware of that. I mean, I'm trying to see I'm trying to see just the different variances in all elements and just taking it with an open mind and, yeah, it's a very complex, very complex landscape. Do you think there's room for um, the online media outlets and community to combine forces with traditional media? I really, I really think so. I really think that there can be more of an integrative approach. And I feel that that, um, you know, comes down to the sort of online sort of blogger social media communities uh, feeling, feeling comfortable with traditional media, um, you know, feeling safe and feeling a bit you know, nurtured and feeling trusting. So I feel like if we can instill a lot of those values into the conversations, then, then yeah, I think it would be really, really lovely for all areas to kind of collaborate and, and combine because there's some, you know, there's some great storytelling and professional skills that are in traditional media that can then take these beautiful messages and beautiful ideas and beautiful movements and communities that are being created and 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 take them and share that with different kinds of audiences so i think yeah the cross-pollination of the two um is a beautiful thing yeah i agree i agree and it's funny because we are we are of the age where we were lucky enough to exist and participate in a world without social media and a massive online presence and we've also you know had the um privilege of being able to run businesses and be parts of businesses that can use social media and an online presence so we've seen both sides of it i kind of feel a little bit sorry for the people that are just emerging now and kind of missed that traditional media landscape i i agree with you and like uh, something came up on facebook yesterday and it was like um you know one of those like friend anniversaries yeah no it's like oh, anniversary, friend anniversary yeah. you've been friends with Greg Heath and that's my brother oh. <laughs> friends with Greg Heath for 10 years and I'm like oh okay so I'm like 
Yeah, I got on Facebook about 10 years ago, you know, yeah. and became friends with my brother on Facebook. But um, I definitely have seen a world before, um, before mobile phones. It makes us sound a little bit old, doesn't it? I know, but I love it. I really do like it. And I have this conversation a lot with people because I think it's, I think it would be so hard to be a teenager now. Like, can you, can you imagine what that world would be like? I don't think it I'd cope. Just, it kind of gives me major anxiety. Totally. It kind of makes me really nervous because I know it was just hard enough as it is. But I guess, again, like we can try and turn it around, try and turn it around and go, okay, you know, this is the space for, you know, the parents and for, for people who are writing books. You know, this is just where the conversation is going. So let's make sure that we're creating resources for, you know, people and, and maybe, you know, maybe it's a positive in the way that, okay, maybe people are going to be more aware of mental health because you just have to be because you need those skills and those psychological tools in order to, you know, better survive and equip yourself in these environments. And, you know, as another positive, well, maybe there's more access to health information so people can, you know, really equip themselves and, and live healthy lives. And I guess we've got to try and see the positives and maybe people feel like they can be, you know, an artist if they want to or really express themselves and maybe that's good for humans as well. So, it's you know, I guess creating connection, I guess what we really got to try and see it as is a way to create connection and how do we deal with the anxieties that come with so much of the vulnerability and oversharing and comparison and absolutely that's a whole other podcast (laughs) (laughs) so um i do have a lot of people listening who do run their own businesses and would be very interested in the self-promotion side of things but at what point do you think that somebody should maybe talk to a publicist and um, take it that little step further perhaps? If they're feeling a little bit confused or a little bit daunted or, you know, also if they're just really excited and they think, wow, you know, I really want to make the most of what I'm doing here and I just want to be able to have a conversation with someone who actually understands what, what, what I'm talking about, who understands what it's like to work with people who have big profiles who are, you know, getting constant attention daily, who are getting a lot of people writing them messages, you know, negative and positive. So they're getting people supporting them, but then they're also getting people, you know, abusing them. That's the unfortunate um, reality of, you know, these social forums is that people can say anything that they want to and it's not always nice. So um, I think there's many different reasons. I guess the people who I'm surrounded by in terms of friends who are entrepreneurs and have their own businesses and, and bloggers, you know, we do, you know, we do have a lot of conversations about, you know, how they're going to handle um, certain aspects of, of what they're doing. So hopefully it's intuitive for people and they feel like, I guess, you know, traditional PR agencies at some times are not right for everyone. You know, they can be more expensive than people who are just starting out can afford. Um, but, you know, there's very much a place for, for you know, those agencies as well. But they're probably looking at the current landscape and evolving too. So do you have any advice for somebody who perhaps is about to have an interview, whether it's with um, a print a print media or perhaps they're going on television for an interview for um, news or a spot on the project? What would be some advice that you would give to them if they um, are quite nervous um, and perhaps a shy person or an introvert? 
because, you know, there's plenty of introverts out there running their own businesses with something to say. So what would be your advice for preparing for something like that? Yeah, look, I I would say definitely, you know, if you are going on a traditional media platform, you do have access to the journalist or the producer who who is going to be facilitating that. So make sure you utilize that relationship. Make sure that you, you know, us, you know, they can be a little bit, um, you know, short and sweet at times, but make sure that you do ask the questions about, you know, what you're expecting, how I can, you know, how you can get the best out of me. Um, sometimes you can feed them questions. So you can ask them what sorts of questions are you wanting to ask me? And then you can say, these are the kind of points that I can talk to. So you just make sure that you have as much dialogue as you can with the producer or with the journalist and make sure that, you know, you're open and you're not kind of scared of just going, oh my God, I have to do this all by myself. So I would say, keep that dialogue open, but also um, try and talk to someone, um, you know, whether it's someone who has publicity experience or whether it's someone who has, you know, hopefully you have a peer or a friend or a professional colleague or whoever it is that, you know, that might've experienced this before. I'd say definitely speak to someone who's been through the process before and just, just for peace of mind and, and maybe just try and run through your messaging with someone and make sure that, you know, you're really kind of very clear on the points that you want um, to come across. And just remember that everyone's human (laughs) at the end of the day, like it can seem very scary media, but everyone at the end of the day is, is human. And hopefully if you can connect with people from that, from that space and you are authentically you and you are very clear on, you know, what parts of yourself you're okay with sharing, I think it's important to get clear on that so you don't sort of get sidetracked into an area that's going to make you quite nervous, in, especially in a live environment. Um, yeah, just get the clarity. And I think speaking that out loud with someone um, is probably a good idea. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Vicky, it's been so lovely chatting to you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Even if it is over the computer. Um, If people wanted to get in touch with you and perhaps organize, um, I know that you run like clarity sessions around this sort of stuff with people. What would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I just have a website that's vickyheath.com.au and yeah, my email's on there and you just email me and there's a little bit of info on there. And yeah, I generally just do have sort of one-on-one chat or clarity sessions for people at certain touch points when there's just seeking a bit of advice or someone to bounce off in those areas. I've found that for me, um, you know, doing continuing to do the traditional media for a lot of people in this space isn't actually what they need. So um, I sort of do traditional PR, you know, elsewhere in, in, in a corporate environment. And, and then for a lot of my friends and people that I know through through these sort of wellness industries and alternative industries I find that they just sometimes need someone to bounce off so that's the support that I offer beautiful do you think that you subconsciously or perhaps you're doing it consciously bring some (laughs) of that heart-centered publicity into the corporate world 
I really like to think that I do. Yeah. Yeah. I really aim to kind of soften things a little bit and uh, and I hope that that comes across to both the journalists that I work with and, you know, and, and the professionals that I work with. And at the end of the day, you know, people do get quite anxious through the process and I try to be a buffer for that, even though sometimes the anxiety that I take on myself can be a little bit much. But um, I just, at the end of the day, I like seeing an article come out where everyone kind of feels a bit enlightened and uplifted that's the ideal the ideal outcome so just before you go we've been talking a lot about people who are wanting to promote themselves but for the publicists that are listening (laughs) (laughs) oh no yeah I mean I mean it is a lot of pressure on you guys so do you have any advice for people on how to kind of um be as involved in the process as possible without it being a detriment to you and your own health? Definitely breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Try not to drink too much wine. And um, (laughs) I just think it's about honesty. I think, you know, I find that um, I, I, what I try to do is just really value the relationships that I create within organizations and, and feel grateful for that because I found that in, you know, some of the organizations that I've worked in, um, you know, I'm working with the CEOs, I'm working with, you know, a lot of high profile people. And I try to see that as a privilege and a constant learning experience. So I guess, yeah, I mean, that's my way of dealing with it is, is just sort of trying to thrive off of the human interactions um, and, and learn from it. I just think it's a hard, it's just a hard area because I mean, really, I guess what I was trying to get at, which I'm hoping that you do, Vicky Heath, is a little bit of self-care, right? Like you're constantly putting everybody else first. Like when do you put the oxygen mask on? (laughs) You know? Yeah, well, that is a very good point. And I think sometimes, um, you know, I do uh, not socialize so much during the weeks because my days are spent you know having quite emotionally intense conversations a lot of the time so I do definitely have to make sure that I feed myself properly and exercise and take a bit of sort of decompressing time at the end of the day Um, so self-care yeah I've definitely been led to to some extreme self-care practices through the PR career oh good (laughs) there's positives coming out of it yeah good stuff all right honey well thank you so much for this conversation and i know that people are gonna gain a lot from it i've gained a lot from listening to you hopefully it's a very behind the scenes thing pr it's kind of a bit of an invisible um profession at times so yeah happy to share mentioned when I came back to season three that um, I'd had a long hiatus because I'd lost my mojo with the podcast. Well, I am happy to announce that my said mojo is back and I'm loving coming to you weekly with brand new episodes and I've got a lot of exciting ones in the pipelines. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date. And in the meantime, if you want to see what I'm up to, come and follow me on Instagram at The Inspired Table. Until next time, I'm Jordana Levine, wishing you an inspirational week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.